This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. I don't. I hope you're having a shitty day. <laughs> that is Andy Hanselman's opinion alone. I hope you're having a fantastic day. Coming in hot. Joining us a little bit later will be <laughs> author and St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist Benjamin Hockman. And then later on, longtime NBA journalist Peter Vecchi. The NBA season getting on last night with the uh, the Celtics and the 76ers in the early game. And the later game, the uh, Golden State Warriors raising yet another banner going up against the Russell Westbrook-less Oklahoma City Thunder. I like how you said that. What's that? I like how Russell Westbrook-less. Yes, well, tough, I mean, he, he did word. not play. He's still recovering from <laughs> surgery. <laughs> tough word. So, uh, but I mean, hey, the, the Thunder played him tough last night. They only lost by like eight. Compared to the 18-point loss that uh, the 76ers had, and that dunk that Jalen Brown that that dunk that Jalen Brown had on Joel Embiid, wow! Yeah, the, they, it's, they it's are... amazing how wildly NBA, how wildly entertaining the NBA is already. First game, it's wildly entertaining. Golden State going to go uh, 72 and 0? No, 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 they're not. <laughs> no. They're, not they're not even interested in doing that anymore. Right now, they, no, they play 82 games. 82 games. 82 so, and so, so, 82 so 70, and 72 and 10. Well, the last time they broke the record, they they ended up losing the the championship that year to Cleveland. That's so right. I don't think they can, I don't think they even care about that. They just no. want to like win another title, and then more than likely, this may be the end of it because I'm hearing rumors that Kevin Durant is working his way out. This is the last year for Clay Thompson, and I think he wants max money. I got the feeling he's going to go to Los Angeles and team up with LeBron. His his father, Michael Thompson, was part of the Showtime Lakers. He's also part of the broadcast uh, broadcast crew down in L.A., so I have a feeling that's where he is going to go next. This is but, just the bye year for LeBron in L.A. Next, absolutely. Next uh, year is uh, going to uh, be ridiculous. Yeah, more than likely, but I'm wondering when that when that honeymoon period is going to be over in L.A. with the, with LeBron and the L.A. fans, because right now it's nothing but love, and LeBron is putting out all kinds of content. Like He's got the Showtime show. He's got the HBO yeah. show. He is doing what he wanted to do when he moved out to Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. But that team is garbage. That team is so bad. <laughs> they got no shooters. They got nothing but knuckleheads. You got Michael Beasley. You've got... You got a lot of has-beens. You got Rajon Raj- Rondo. You got JaVale McGee. You got Lance Stevenson all on the same team. I don't know how all that's going to work. And when that team is not winning, when they're coming out slow, because LeBron, when he joins a new team, coming out of the gate, they start out slow. They did in Miami and a second time in Cleveland. They started out slow. I'm wondering when that honeymoon is going to be over in Los Angeles. But we'll talk about that when we get Peter Vesci on a little bit later. Is, Steph, is there a situation where or a, 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 a situation where Steph Curry ever leaves Golden State, or is he kind of the face of that franchise, will he's, be there forever? He'll, he'll, he'll be there forever. He's retire there, yeah. 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 I can see maybe because he's from Carolina, maybe going to Charlotte and playing for the Hornets. But that may be like later on in his career whenever he does end. that. Yeah, they're getting ready to move into a brand new stadium in San Francisco. And if you have not seen that stadium, Beautiful. Beautiful. go to Google and type in Golden State Warriors new stadium San Francisco and look at the renderings of that place. It is unbelievable. You'll be able to sit inside the stadium and look outside a window and see the Golden Gate Bridge. Vice oh, versa. wow. Vice versa, too. And, you'll be and, able to see inside the and you'll stadium. Be, and you'll be able to see inside the stadium, too. It is actually, it's, I think it's going to set the standard for how all, in, all, how all indoor arenas are going to be from now on. I'll put a picture of that in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> put a picture of that in the show notes. 
Um, everybody, like whoever's got a hockey team or a basketball team who doesn't have a new stadium, mm-hmm. after that one's built, they're going to want that one. They're going to point to that one out in San Francisco and go, "That's the one we want." Well, kind of like, kind of like Jerry World. How everybody wanted Jerry World when exactly. And now everybody Minnesota's new, Minnesota's new football stadium is very much like that. Too. Yes, it, it is. is. Yeah, they have a really, really nice field. They they have a beautiful field. Yeah, uh, really nice. So th- I think the one in Atlanta is kind of nice. At least on the yep. inside, it looks nice. Yep. On the outside, they said it looks like a robot's butthole. Like the way it kind of like opens the roof, yeah. kind of opens and closes. It looks like a robot's butthole. But <laughs> that's a story for another. That, time. That's a story for another time. Um, I want to talk about the Mizzou Alabama game here briefly. What happened? We thought was going to happen, right? But I want to know something. Yes. How do these damn bookies know? It's amazing. That's what I was going to bring up. It's amazing how. I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to steal your thunder. No, you're you're fine. It's amazing how they know like Mizzou's going to cover the spread, and they did. And they held them under forty. And they held them under for, forty. First team all year. First time all year. They they had those big buildings out in the desert for a reason. It's not oh, yeah. because they're stupid. Yeah. Well, you're seeing a lot now, and not to go back to NBA again, but um, the Dallas Mavericks, the gentleman that they just hired to oversee their, I think, player scouting department or whatever, he's a former odds odd shark from Las Vegas. I mean, that's all he did was gamble on games, gamble on players, create odds, all that good stuff. But he's now directing their like player personnel or something like that. Mark Cuban making moves. Now that the uh, the Supreme Court of the United States has basically said, hey, if you want to make sports betting in your state legal, we're not going to step in and say anything. You're probably going to see more of that happening. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Wouldn't and doubt it. I, I, like if, like if I was somebody who was running governor, if I was running for governor of a certain state, let's say I was running for governor of either Illinois or Missouri, either one, because they both have casinos, I would be pushing really hard for to make sports betting legal in that state. Having we need the tax platform. dollars here. Bad. Oh, yeah. Tax dollars. Bad. And, okay, especially in a bi-state area like what St. Louis is, if you're if, if let's say St. Louis is the first one to make sports betting legal, Everybody from Illinois is going across the river and going to Lumiere to place their bets. Right, every single one of them. Yeah, will you be able to open a sports book anywhere? I think as long as you have to, I think you have to have the. You probably have to be in a casino for that to happen. Damn. I would imagine. Yeah, I was going to open a sports book. We're going to shut this place down and open a sports book <laughs> right a sports out there. Up a sports book. There you go. Increase traffic out on this road right <laughs> here. Yeah, as soon as it's, as soon as it's done, we'll uh, we'll do it. But you're I mean, and the same thing with Illinois. If Illinois does it before Missouri does, then everybody's going to be going to the Alton Bell Casino or Casino right. Queen and, and placing their bets there. Yeah, can you imagine Chicagoland area with like casinos just out the wazoo? Ridiculous sports book. I mean, talk about just a hub. Unbelievable. Just, just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I kind of want to pivot now to the the National Football League. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I think a lot of people they were kind of like maybe a sexy pick to come out of the, at, before the season started. A sexy pick to win the AFC and represent that conference in the Super Bowl. Right now, two straight back to back games. One against the Kansas City Chiefs. Understandable playing that squad with that offense in Arrowhead. Yeah, how they're going to make you look bad. No, yeah. I don't care how good your defense is. They're going to make you look bad. But to have Dallas put up those points when Dallas has like the 23rd ranked offense in the NFL and you've got nothing but pro bowlers on that side, I can understand like the offense is bad. The offense is really bad and the defense is going to be on the field a lot, but they should not be that terrible. I think right now what you're seeing is that Jacksonville is uh, is overrated and I think Baltimore might be underrated. That Baltimore team is good. Yeah, Baltimore's got some nice young players that are starting to play. Um, it's hard for defenses, you know, to stay perennial. Cont- I don't know if contenders is the right to work, 
right word to use, but last year Jacksonville's defense by far none was the best defense in football. It's hard to argue otherwise. And it looked like all they were missing was just competent quarterback play. Right. And they just That's needed it. they just needed quarterback play, they need some, you know, help on the outside at receiver and thought, you know, this team is gonna is gonna take that next step. But now you look at their defense is not playing well and that puts a bigger spotlight on Blake Bortles and the offense and collectively they just look terrible. They lost Allen Robinson, wide receiver. He is now in Chicago playing for the Bears. You have Leonard Fournette, and when Leonard Fournette is healthy, he plays well. The big, problem is, big, is that he never plays. He never plays. I mean, he's kind of like I'm not going to say he's JD Drew, but he's kind of getting like these JD Drew type injuries. He's got the glass knees, like or no, I mean it's soft tissue injuries, like hamstring strains yeah. and, and stuff like that. If it's broken bones, that you kind of understand. If it, if you break a bone, you break a bone, All right? A hamstring strain is one of those things where kind of like you, you can't really diagnose it perfectly like right. you could a break. So it's kind of one of those things where, okay, are, can you play through this pain or not? Like you, I'm not saying that you need to start questioning his toughness, right? but it's going to get to the point where you're going to start questioning his toughness, at right. least Leonard Fournette's. Well, you're Leonard Fournette. I mean, your team's continuing to lose and not look good. Does that... I, I I don't know what his mindset is. Give like, you extra hey, motivation to right. get out there, absolutely. Or does it, you know, give you motivation to stay off the field and get completely healthy? A couple of interesting NFL stories breaking today. It sounds like Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, is not going to be buying Wembley Stadium in London. So that is going to pour a little water on that rumor of him wanting to move the team to London. Mm-hmm. And then another interesting rumor, not and then I don't think this is a rumor, this is just flat out fact. Uh, the the PSL sales for the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles are not going well. What? They're not going well at I all. No, don't say <laughs> which, it isn't so. Which is which is strange because the Chargers team is good. Right. They've got two losses on the season, and both those losses, one loss came to the undefeated uh, Los Angeles Rams, and the other one came to the at the time undefeated Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. So it's not like they lost to a couple of bums. They're a good team. Sure. You know, with, with with lots of star power, you would kind of make sense that you know they would be able to draw some fans to buy PSLs. It's not going well, so now there's rumors going in the league that maybe they need to rethink this whole two teams in LA, LA which is what people have been trying to tell them from the very beginning. Let's like let's let one team succeed in LA before you move a second one. I saw a tweet today. I forgot who it was, so I, and I meant to screenshot it and, and so I could talk about it tonight. And it said, I'm not suggesting the Chargers pitch St. Louis on a stadium deal. Benjamin Albright. Yeah. I'm dead Albright. Yep. It was Benjamin Albright. <laughs> yep. Yeah, But they, that's exactly what they should do. And you, I, and you know what? I, I, I'm with him 100% on that. Yeah. 100%. Now, like this is just pie in the sky. If that ever does happen, two things. Number one, look over that lease very closely. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Do not give them any kind of out whatsoever. Right. 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, no, no, mm. no, no out whatsoever. Make that thing like a 50-year lease, something ridiculous. Right. And here's another thing I would do, too. I would leave the Charger name in San Diego. Oh, you have to go back to the St. Louis Stallions. Tell Char- tell San Diego, you know what, whenever you get a team, if you get another team, if you want right. the Charger name, it is yours like you said, congratulations. Here come your St. Louis Stallions. I'm, I'm not big on the Stallions. I don't know why. I don't know. I'd love to see that uh that SMU red horse Mustang on the side of a helmet. Oh, in did St. you Louis. see what did you see what the logo was supposed yeah. to be? It, yeah. it looks nothing like a horse. It looks more like a lizard yeah. than it does a horse. So they'd have to redo the logo. But 
um, th- that could be something like, with the Jacksonville status up in the air, and now kind of like the Chargers status up in the air. Now, like the word out of the sand out of the Chargers, and I don't even need Vinny Bonsignor with me to say it. They're not changing course. They're in L.A. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, you know, if anything, maybe they would consider going back to San Diego, right. which I could I could see that happening more than I could see them coming here to St. Louis. Right, but with that lawsuit. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Just, if you if you if you're Bob Blitz and the rest of that legal team, I would start pushing for either one of those franchises. Yeah, I, I mean, would. It's just like the Browns. Uh, what was that? Ninety five. Whenever the Browns uh, moved to Baltimore. No, I think that was later on. Later on, two thousand. No, not two thousand. I think it might have been ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere in there. Yeah. So later half in the nineties. But yeah, you you see it when when you put pressure on the NFL. Uh, to a certain extent, you can get what you want if you play it right. And and, and the Rams have, or not the Rams, St. Louis has a lot of cards to push the NFL right now. Well, you know, the good thing about it, about the uh, Stallions coming back, is the song. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember the song? I didn't know there even was a song. Oh, oh there, yeah. There, there was, was a, a Stallion song. song. There was a Stallion, stallion song. song. Yeah, I think it was sung by, I think they got Phyllis Diller to lay it down. <laughs> Phyllis Diller. Go, 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 you purple Stallions. Oh, my god! It had that kind of tune. Boy, if that doesn't get you fired up for some football, I don't know what will. <laughs> well, I mean, it, you go to a, a Rams game lately you know, at the Dome, and it was a bunch of blue hairs knitting. You're, well, no, you're right. I had a couple of those blue hairs yell at me because I was standing up during the last On third play, down. During the no, it was like it was like the last play of the game. Yeah, between between the Rams and the uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and I think they were just like old Cardinal fans. And I'm standing up, and this little old lady turned around. She told me to sit down. And I told her, I turned around and I told her to, you know, bleep off as a football game. Oh, <laughs> oh burger. Man. Hey, just, Rude. Because, just because she's old doesn't mean that she's nice. <laughs> she doesn't deserve a good F you. Yeah, it doesn't mean that she's nice. Just because she's old. <laughs> Most old people are not nice. Exactly. They pretend to be nice. Oh, that little sweet grandma. No, she's a gigantic. See you next Tuesday. Exactly. <laughs> I will not say that word on, on the podcast. Thank you. Thank what's, you. What's, what's that, <laughs> you ever see that movie, The Ref, with... Um, with Dennis Leary. No. Dennis Leary and Kevin Spacey. I forgot who else is in it. I haven't seen it. And Dennis Leary plays this uh, this burglar, and he takes his family hostage, and he pretends to be like their marriage counselor. It's Kevin Spacey. And, I have seen this. And his wife. And then he's got like this overbearing mother who is just like a complete and total witch. And my favorite line in that movie, she's a widow. And Dennis Leary, he says, uh, lady, I'm telling you right now, your husband ain't dead. He's hiding. <laughs> my, favorite line in that, my favorite line in that movie. I'll have to look it up. But it's, it's actually pretty good. I mean, it's, it's, it's Dennis Leary doing Dennis Leary. You have some pretty solid movie recommendations, so I'll, I'll take that to heart. I'm trying to think of another movie I watched over the weekend that I thought He's the Dan Buffa of the uh, Last Man Up <laughs> podcast. He is. Although I don't have the same Frank Grillo obsession. Right. But... Uh, I don't know if you've seen this. It's a documentary. I've seen it before, and I'm like, you know, I haven't watched it in a long time, and I forgot what a shit show it is. It sounds like I'm suggesting to you some kind of white supremacist propaganda, but the name of it is called The Wild and Wonderful Whites oh, of West Virginia. I've, I've seen that one. You've seen it. Okay. So Andy Hanselman, have you seen it? I have not. So have you seen the original? The ori- so what that is based off of is a documentary called White Lightning. And it's about the the dad of that show being a phenomenal tap dancer. Yeah, the uh, yeah the uh, Billy Ray uh, Billy Ray White. Yes, or Del Ray White yeah, or something like he, that. He has some odd odd type name. So like some that. Hill, some hillbilly name. Oh, I could watch that documentary over and over again. And 
it's been like 10 years since that Wild and Wonderful Wise of West Virginia has been put out. They need to do a follow-up on that one big time. They do need to do a follow-up. Because I'm wondering how many of them are still alive. Because they all sound like they've got emphysema. Bad. Or in jail. Or in jail. <laughs> My favorite thing is that one guy, that the kid gets into a shootout. He, he almost kills this guy. Right. He shoots him like three times. Doesn't kill him, but damn near does. And then he steals the car, sets it on fire, and then gets into a shootout with the cops that lasts like all night. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, yeah, my judge likes me, so I think I'm going to go home <laughs> on a suspended sentence. I'm like, what lawyer is giving you this shitty advice? Uh, the lo- and why are you believing it? <laughs> the level of stupidity is a harsh word, but that's the only word. that The level of stupidity just across the board in that documentary is is one, is the reason to watch the wonderful <laughs> watch that documentary. It's, and it's amazing how all the women, they all sound exactly alike. It sounds like they've got something like pressed up against their throats. It doesn't. It doesn't help the stereotype of those that come it from does West not. Virginia. No, it does it does <laughs> yeah. not. It at buys all. it buys into the stereotype. If you have not watched it, I cannot recommend it enough. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Uh back to pivoting back to the NFL. Do you think that let's say Bob Blitz is you know, he's successful in landing another franchise and they're coming back to St. Louis, how long do you think it would take before the city would be would like open up their arms and say, Yes, thank God football's back? I mean, I don't think it would take. Do they, 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 they the be greeting city. with the airport like they did oh. with the Rams in '95? Oh, I was having this discussion with my friends today. Me personally, I would rather have an NFL franchise over an MLS franchise. Oh, I think I would too. I think. I mean, obviously, there's way more money in the NFL. Um, I think you get probably a more consistent fan base in the NFL now that we've lost a team and we're going to bring one back. I think the city won't take that for granted in terms of a fan base. Um, and I just like football more than soccer. So it, it won't take them long to accept it. Now, logistically, whenever that would happen, I couldn't tell you. I think it would it would take a little bit of time because there there are some people who are still going to be burned by it. They're going to be like, oh, great. Right. How long is it going to be before this team moves back to San Diego or this right. team moves back to Jacksonville? So there's going to be a little bit of that. I think that if you had someone like Sean Kahn, who people wanted the they wanted him to buy the Rams and right. he's from the area right. and I think people around here trust him. I think if he said, "Look, I'm not moving this team back to Jacksonville," mm-hmm. and why would you? It's a smaller market. Um, it hasn't exactly done well there, mm-hmm. so there'd be no and you know financial reasons for him to move it there. I can maybe he would eventually move it to London, right? But if you think that he would be getting away with the same kind of lease that the Rams signed in '95, no. it's not happening. No. I mean, that lease is going to be made public. Everybody's going to be pouring over that thing. Yeah, and that might be one of the biggest turnoffs for, I mean, any owner looking to move to St. Louis, knowing that they're going to get into that situation from an ownership perspective, knowing that if you move to St. Louis, you're staying in St. Louis for an it, extended period of so time. So it had to be someone who would want to, right. who would want be, to move here. It's got to be a St. Louis guy or Saint, someone with St. Louis ties. So for it, sure. it would be like someone like Shotgun. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, like, even with the the Jaguars, like, I kind of said with with the Chargers, leave the name back in San Diego. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you necessarily would have to do that with the Jacksonville Jaguars because other than an AFC title game, there is no real history there. Right. They weren't there. They were there for, what, 20-some-odd years. Okay, yes, it was a long time. But it's not like you know, name the great moments in Jacksonville Jaguar history. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. Other name than one. the other than the AFC title right, game, like in year. their second or third. Oh year. yeah, the two. Yeah, that the two, like the one in their second or third year in existence with um, Steve uh, Steve Berline and um, Jimmy Smith as the God. wide receiver. 
Fred Taylor was a running. <laughs> try, I'm trying to think of who the other old old players were on that team. Tom were. Coughlin was their uh, their head, head coach. coach. Yeah, Mark Brunel was he on that team too, or was that post? I think it was Mark Brunel. I said uh, Steve Berline. I think it Steve, was Brunel. Steve Berline was in Carolina. Carolina. It, it was Brunel. Mark, Brunel. Mark Brunel. So it was Mark Brunel. Yep. And uh, you know you have Fred Taylor as a running back. So Good old I mean, Fred Taylor. <laughs> and like there's like a long storied history of the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> where. You know, there's going to be people there pounding on the table saying we demand our Jaguars back. Right? Have you have you have you ever been to Jacksonville, Florida? I have. Okay, it's unfortunate place to be. It, yeah, it's, it's it's not exactly the greatest community. Not that St. Louis is you know it's that much better, not that much better, but at least you know at least Jacksonville has the beach. But I was there back. It was five years ago, and it was during the football season when I was there. And, you know, they had like some bars had signs up that said, come watch the Jags lose here. Mm. So, I mean, like even there, there wasn't exactly like a whole bunch of like Jacksonville Jaguar figure right. or fever. And granted, the team then was not very good. Right. Now there's probably a little more interest in the team because they are. Yeah. But um, I think that if there was a team that would become that, that would relocate here, I think it would take a, maybe a little bit of time. Oh, it would it would take a, a lot of time just because I think you know after losing the Rams organization as a whole, um, the city any you know sports venture and the same could be said for the the MLS. I mean, they're going to make that same type of deal to where it's you're locked and you're tied to the city you know for for quite a while, and it's going to be uh, you know a deal that's financially positive for the city they're not looking to take a bath on another sport sports organization anytime soon well the thing that makes me nervous is, i mean like with the mls like the first couple of years the stadium is going to be packed it's going to be packed yeah it's going to be packed because it's going to be the new thing right you know the the people who are going the second year people who couldn't go the first year because they're kind of mm-hmm. wanting waiting for the crowd to, die, to the crowd to die down right the thing is, is that if that team turns out to be not very good or not very entertaining, then right. people aren't going to go. And what I mean, it, really, the mantra for teams when you know they open up in a new city or move to a new city is they're not very good initially. I think the Rams are kind of that outlier in the fact that they had a lot of young pieces in place and you know just needed to get a new head coach. Are you talking about this year in Los Angeles? Right. Yeah. Right. So. Any team, whenever they relocate or you know or start a new franchise, they're typically not very good because well, guys don't want to go play in a new city right away, or you know they really don't even know what the fan base is like yet. I remember the first year that the, what the Rams played in St. Louis, they came out like a house on fire, four and zero. That's right. Yeah, they came out four and zero, and then San Francisco came in and bitch slapped them. Yeah, I think they finished five and eleven that year. They might have, but I remember like I mean everybody was going crazy. Chris Miller was their quarterback, mm-hmm. was a Rams quarterback, yep. and he was slinging the ball all over the place. I mean, it was everybody's like, "Holy shit, this team's actually pretty good." We thought we were getting, you know, a bunch of bums. Right. They beat Green Bay at Green Bay in their first game as the St. Louis Rams. Yes, and then their first home game was against the. It was at Bush Stadium. Yeah, they played. They played two games at Bush Stadium. Two or three. I think it was three because I know that one game was against the Forty ers that was at Bush Stadium. Hmm. Hmm. I'm looking right now. Look it up. Because I remember uh, Todd, like uh, Ken Norton Jr., who was a linebacker for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. His thing was like if you like if he scored a touchdown or whatever, he would go to the foam around the goalpost and he would pretend to be boxing it because his dad was a boxer. Right. And Todd Kenshin, who was a kick returner for the Rams, 
he, you know, kicked back or he ran one back for a touchdown. And then he was going to the goalpost and he was pretending like he was punching it. And that kind of fired him. You're, uh, you're <laughs> they nine, kind, of, they kind of fired the 49ers. And that was that was the end of it. Right. Your 1995 St. Louis Rams uh, finished seven and nine. They played home games at Bush Stadium against the Saints and the Bears. And the, they didn't play against the 49ers. That wasn't at Bush Stadium. I could have swore it was. And the Falcons. Okay. The the first game at the, at the Dome. Oh, let's hear it. Oh, yeah, they did play. It, and so, yeah, so there, were, there were four games. One, two, three, four. Yeah, four games at Bush Stadium. Their first game at the Dome was November 12th, 1985 against the Carolina Panthers. Okay. So mm. so they opened the uh, the dome against so. That's when they still had three divisions. Right. And the Rams were in the NFC West along with other western cities like Atlanta, Atlanta. and Carolina. Yeah. Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking back to those awful uh Houston Texans years back when they first Ooh, started they drafted David Carr one overall. Oh, yeah. There's so much excitement for the city and it's like that team su- I mean they still suck. I mean they still have not formed a winning franchise they're, down they're, in Houston. Okay, I mean, I think last year had Deshaun Watson not got hurt, they probably would have been probably pretty good. Probably would have. They're starting to round back into form this year. A little bit. They started out slow. I think Deshaun Watson was kind of knocking off some of that rust. Mm-hmm. They're looking a little bit better. That offense still doesn't, you know, excite. Doesn't excite you. No, it mm-hmm. does I mean, they, they need probably a better running back. Their wide receivers are great. Yeah. And DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and, uh, and Cutie. Um, and Lamar or, or Deshaun Watson looks like he's probably their answer at quarterback. Right. They just probably need maybe to, to you know refigure that offensive line and, and get a better running back than Lamar Miller. Probably need a new head coach. That too. <laughs> I like Bill O'Brien's not that good. I like nerdy old stuff like this. Uh, so uh, that in that '95 season, they played two games on NBC at noon. Okay. Makes you feel old. Yes, it does. Wow. When was the last time? You, I mean, there, it's been a long time since there's been a noon game on NBC. As as the, when they were the AFC, they showed all the the home well, AFC. Well, when, games. Did, yeah, when did Sunday Night Football start? Oh, I'm sorry. The, well, the, su- Sunday Night Football was actually on ESPN. It was. Well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, when did it um, start? NBC. 2010. 2011. I thought it was well, it longer than that. I thought it was longer than that too. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, can, I can look. That look up. it up. When I was a kid, the games were on NBC and CBS. Right. And then CBS lost the broadcast rights to the NFL to Fox. Fox for, mm-hmm. for, for the NFC games. And that saved the Fox network. Oh, it's Fo- huge. Fox, the Fox network was getting ready to go dark. They right. were getting ready to lose all their money because they had, they had married with children and they had the Simpsons mm-hmm. and they had like the Tracy Ullman show and that was it. Other mm-hmm. than that, it was a bunch of like, you know, paid programming and movies and shit like that. And then they won. The, the broadcast rights for for the NFL, mm-hmm. and that was, I mean, people were stunned when that happened. there Because there were a lot of cities that didn't even have a Fox affiliate. Right. And they were freaking out, like, how are we going to watch our football games if we don't have a Fox affiliate? I mean, and that was the big reason why they moved to the bigger signal on Channel 2, why they, why they flipped. Correct. Because it used to be it used to be Fox 30. Right. And, and Channel 2 was the ABC affiliate. And yep, then right. they, they switched that for that very reason. And then NBC lost the broadcast rights CBS picked it up, and that's how CBS now has the AFC, Fox has the NFC, and now CB, or NBC just has the Sunday night game, which they're, I'm sure they're happy with because that's oh, the highest rated game. Oh, yeah. Huge. And, and now look at Fox. They own half the planet in terms of media, it seems like. Right. Sure. Uh, Rupert yeah. is, I mean, he's, he is, uh, what do you call it? That Sunday night Vicious. game. That Sunday night game between the, uh, the Chiefs and the Patriots was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I think they, the Patriots kind of showed that, you know what? 
you right now record wise might be the best team in the AFC, but we still We're won still the division. We still won the conference the past two years. Yeah. You're still gonna need to beat us. It makes me look forward to that Rams Chiefs game in Mexico City oh, even yes. more because that thing is so just gonna be a shootout. It is going to be fantastic. And all apologies to Rams fans. I said in the last episode, I thought the Rams were going to lose in Denver. Had Denver had if Denver had competent quarterback play, they might have, <laughs> right. but they didn't. Todd Gurley with 200 yards and, and two touchdowns. And finally waiting for that breakout game from him, and it happened. Finally, it, it finally happened. The, that Rams team, if I was a Rams fan, it would still make me nervous about how that defense, I mean, that Broncos offense is not very good. Right. They should not be giving up any points at all to that Broncos offense. No. That, that, that Rams defense, when they need to make a play, they can make a play. Right. But I think that if they were to go up against a powerhouse team in the NFC like New Orleans, I think New Orleans could probably give them trouble if they met in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Maybe Green Bay because it's Aaron Rodgers and you never know. Right. Because he just finds he just seems to find a way to pull games right out of his ass. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's because it's Aaron Rodgers. Right. Um Carolina because that defense and Cam Newton, I mean, no. they've all been there before. So I mean like like right now the Rams are the top dog in the NFC. They're probably the best team in the NFL, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be too comfortable on top of that perch. No, and I mean in any situation, you look at the Rams going into last year, uh what they they played the Falcons in the they wild played the card Falcons game, and they lost. And they lost. But everyone going into that game thought, oh, the Rams offense, the Rams offense, you know, is, is great. Defense, you know, was still pretty decent last year. Um, Atlanta is another team. I mean, they're off to a terrible start, but Jesus, they can put up some points. If, if Atlanta makes the playoffs this year, I'd be stunned. Yep. But I'm glad I'm glad you brought up Philadelphia. Philadelphia is another team in the yep. NFC that I think could probably maybe give the Rams a little bit of a tough time yep. in the playoffs should they meet. Two thousand six was the first year of NBC Sunday Night Football. It says in just a real quick little quip, in the 2006 season, there was no game played on the first Sunday night, which overlapped with the World Series, October 22nd in the 2006 season, along with Christmas Eve night. NBC broadcast that week's game, Eagles at Cowboys, on Christmas afternoon instead. However, the broadcast of Football Night in America continued at its regular time on both occasions each Sunday with a half-hour version of the program airing before the Christmas game in the two wild-card Saturday games. October twenty second, 2006 would have been... Cardinals and Tigers. That's correct. Wow. So they didn't. Talk so about they were. Throwback. They were worried about competing against World Series baseball. The now, NFL. The NFL was worried about competing and, and, with World Series baseball. Today they'd say, "F you." Yeah, they'd be like, "Yeah, go ahead." What game in the we'll World Series happens. was that? Was that the Anthony Reyes game? Mm-hmm. And here's another thing too. Think about it. Okay, fandom aside, that World Series was not very entertaining. No. It was it was not good baseball no. to watch. It, the fact that even Anthony Ray, what he he shoved for eight innings, came out of nowhere. It got dominated yeah. ga- game one. They turned to Anthony Reyes game two. He comes out and throws a gem. But other than that, yeah, not not a lot to write home about, Mom. The the Anthony Reyes game was a was a Saturday night game. Saturday night because I was I was DJing a, a fundraiser that night. So what was the Sunday game then? It was uh, a game at Comerica Park. Detroit run th- uh, won three to one. Uh, Who on pitched a- that game? Uh, Come on, Andy, have the facts. Game two. Uh, oh, it was the Kenny Rogers game? Oh Christ! Oh, when they, they thought that he had uh-huh. that was the Pintar, Pintar game. Pintar on. Wow. The starter for game two for your St. Louis Cardinals, Weaves. Luke Weaver. No, no, not no. Luke Weaver. Jared Weaver. Jared no, Weaver. not Jared Weaver either. Jeff Weaver. Jeff, Jeff Weaver. Oh my gosh. Jeff Weaver. Weaves. Well, those <laughs> flowing golden locks of hair. Look like Kirk Cobain. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. All, all the Weaver. All the Weaver boys did. 
Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> Jeff Weaver was your uh, also your game five winner. I think he, the year they the year uh, that was the, the clinching game. That was that was the era where the Cardinals were taking broken down, out of shape pitchers. That's and correct. So, that's somehow had, turning them around. That's because they, they had David Duncan, right, who yeah. was whispering sweet nothings and all. I mean, he could he could do all that. And Simon then, Tachi, freaking who else is out there during that era? God, Weaver, unbelievable. Makes I, me feel like, I feel like Bob Tewksbury was pitching then. <laughs> John Tudor. And then, Adam, of course, Adam Wainwright gets the uh, the huge save in Game 5 to win the World Championship for your a St. Mu- Louis a Cardinals. A much younger Adam Wainwright. A much younger Adam Wainwright. Well, we're we'll getting had to get to Ben Hockman here in a second, but uh, Andrew Claudio, our friend Andrew Claudio in New York. Claudio! Big, big time, big Mets fan. He tweeted out something, uh, like I guess it was um, that home run being robbed. Oh, in that, the uh, in that NLCS game, Andy, Andy Chavez. Andy Chavez. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, the uh, Roland being doubled off first base. Ugh. And then I, I quote retweeted it. I go, uh, "What happened next, uh, Claudio?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> "I think it was like a gift of the office, yeah. like you know, of Michael Scott say, do not go there.' I'm yeah. like, there's just, n- just having some fun, buddy. Just having some fun. There's no big cur- home run by Yachty, and then a, the, still the nastiest curveball I've ever oh. seen from Adam Wainwright. I guess Carlos Beltran. Beltran is Carlos Beltran, the, the Cardinal killer. Yes, and the Yachty fist bump, right? Oh, absolutely. Gives oh. chills. Gives me chills. We'll get back one of these days. Joining us on the phone right now is author and St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist Benjamin Hockman. You can follow him on Twitter at Hockman. Ben Hockman, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's good to hear your voice again. I know we had you on earlier, and I'm glad that uh, we we passed the Hockman grade and uh, that you're uh, back on the phone with us. Yeah, well, it took some vetting. It took some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I decided to do it. Brought you back. Got uh, the final approval. Yeah, thank thank God. I'm glad that uh, that check cleared. Um, before <laughs> before we get to uh, the MLS for the Lou, I want to talk about uh, John Mozalock's press conference yesterday. Um, I didn't exactly walk away from it feeling all that great about the plan for the future because I'm not sure what exactly the plan is or was. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. And again, he, he he's not there to – this isn't WWE or whatever. This isn't Randy Macho Man Savage or whomever screaming into the camera that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Uh, you know, I, I think some fans kind of wish – that, you know, Mosaic would turn into Ric Flair and just scream, like, we're the best and this is how we're going to do it. But that, that's not how it's going to happen, um, though that would be pretty cool. I would love <laughs> it. I would love it. Um, the, the reality is, is is he's going to be measured with everything he says. He's going he's gonna to survive these press conferences, if you will. Uh, he's not going to put himself in a situation uh, where they come back to haunt him. So he's going to be pretty vague. And, yeah, there were times where he was – he was contradicting himself and saying that we need a, a, a big bat. We need we it would help our team, uh, but we like what we have and we're growing players. So there was there was definitely that situation there. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I, the St. Louis Cardinals, if they if they were going to pay for for Stanton, they got to pay for Bryce Harper. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Ben, do you feel, I, I think the, the Twitter reaction and social media reaction that, that Matt and I have gathered, obviously less than positive. Do you feel it's fair for fans to, to kind of want that, not necessarily Ric Flair type of, you know, personality from John Mozeliak, but really just a change in tune? Is that fair for fans to expect? Um, I don't know if it's fair because, I mean, look, was he, was he doing that in 2000? 11 and 12 and 13 right. when they were going to the playoffs. No, he was just, he was very measured Mo with his, with his nice tie and saying, you know, I'm going to do this and try to try to build this baseball club. Um, I, I, but I think what we're getting at is, is the reality that both fans and media alike are, are kind of put, put out by all this, but done with this 80 win stuff. I mean, I keep harping that the, uh, the Cardinals are the national league Seattle Mariners. This <laughs> <laughs> good, good, not great, eighty-plus win team that just kind of hangs around but is going nowhere. The thing that concerns me the most is that, and I heard, I saw Bernie Micklitz tweet this out, and I'm like, wow, you know what? Bernie's dead on, and he and Adam Wainwright had a little bit of a back and forth talking about, like, you know, are are they wanting to be a baseball team? Or are they content right now with just kind of being a living, breathing museum? So you bring Adam Wayne, uh, Adam Wainwright back for a one-year contract. I understand it's just a one-year contract. It's not that big a deal, but it's still time and attention that could be used towards another player that maybe will be here after 2019, 2020. And then, you know, they're talking about how uh, they, there was a failed trade and uh, back of the trading deadline, how Mo was trying to bring back David Freeze for some reason. And then you got Rick Ankiel, and he's been invited to camp, and hey, doesn't that sound like a great story? So it sounds like they're kind of like trafficking and hope and all this feel-good and they aren't really going out there and doing what they need and getting a big bat and getting you know left-handed bullpen help. I mean, I'm not trying to like get in an argument per se. I mean, <laughs> everything you said. I mean, I hear you, but I mean, it's not like I mean, two in the front office I've ever crossed paths with. It's not like you're just sitting up there watching the DVD of the 2011 World Series over and over. And if anything, even if they were, they would be saying, well, how can we get the next, uh, you know, the next Matt Holiday, the next Dave Freeze? I know. So maybe there was a rumor they were looking for to get Freeze for this year. And yeah, he's batting third in playoff games for the Dodgers. He's he's not a slouch just yet. Um, but I mean, I mean, the reality is, is just kind of like, look, I mean, these are these are two or three of the 15 moves that are going to happen this postseason, or excuse me, this offseason. I wish it was the postseason. Yeah, and, right. uh, and, You know, they're going to have to get somebody. They're going to get somebody, just like in previous offseasons. They got Dexter Fowler and they got Marcelo Zuna. The question is, who is that player? How much are they willing to spend for that player? And is that player enough? Good point, Ben. Uh, something that was also brought up this week or announced this week was the shakeup in the coaching staff. Um, something that stuck out to me particularly is now Jose O'Kendo will no longer be the third base coach. Uh, for me, it was a little disheartening because I feel like the team takes a step back almost. Uh, obviously, you know he has a great rapport with all the players. You know on the roster, he's very well respected within that organization. But to not see him down on the third baseline uh, is a little bit of bummer to me. What do you make of that? Well, I mean, it's two different things, right? The the second thing you said about not seeing him there, I mean, that's kind of the same thing in reference to, you know, the nostalgia aspect. I mean, I mean, seeing him out there is neat, but like, is he, 
But when we watch him at third base, coach, we're literally watching like a man making decisions on whether to send a runner or not. Is, is that? But that's not why we like seeing him there. We like seeing him there because we know he cares and we know he played well for the Cardinals and we know he relates to the players and all that. And then the reality is he, he definitely put in many, many years uh, grooming many, many players here, helping Paul DeYoung, helping Jairo Munoz, helping a litany of infielders. And yeah, that, that aspect of it, of course, course is 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 you know sad because he was a big part of this for many many years um but the reality is uh, okendo himself told uh, my colleague ben fredrickson that that he adores mike schilt and thought he was the a great choice for the managerial position and uh so jose looks at the cardinals and sees them in good hands and uh here's hoping that uh maybe one of his other proteges off the field oliver marmol uh ascends as a coach uh under schilt Benjamin Hockman from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch joining us on the phone right now. You can follow him on Twitter, at Hockman. In political terms, it's been uh, said that Democrats fall in love, but Republicans fall in line. The the Cardinals, they did both in the past couple of days. It seemed like uh, your your colleague Ben Fredrickson wrote about how, and you did as well, hey, you know what, Bryce Harper, he would look pretty good in the birds in the bad uniform. And then, man, Cardinal Twitter just... The next thing you know, I'm getting all these notifications that you know Jim Hayes is following <laughs> is is following uh, Bryce Harper on Twitter, and so is Martin Kilcoin, and and all all these other uh, sports media figures in St. Louis, and people are tweeting happy birthday at him and stuff like that. <laughs> do, you, do you think that the romance has finally started? Uh, you know, or, or the wooing, I guess you could say, with Bryce Harper and the Cardinals, and do you think he'd be a better fit than someone like Manny Machado? Yeah, and you know, coincidentally, I'm I'm working on my column for tomorrow's newspaper and the website. You know, right now I'm going to finish it after we do this podcast. And there's there's no question that Bryce Harper checks seemingly every box and also creates boxes on there that we hadn't even thought to have, if you will. Uh, he he's the left-handed, living twenty-six-year-old slugger who lives and dies baseball. And uh, I mean, there's there's so many reasons to get excited about him and. You know, it's just one of those things where, like, like, all right, do three hundred million? Sure, four hundred. You know, what's what's the what's the line? Well, I mean, you're not going to give him a billion. You know, where I mean, how many years? How how much money? And but I just look at it like, at the end of the day, whatever they're doing isn't really working too well. Uh, you look at all these other playoff teams; they have multiple four plus war players, and uh, the Cardinals had one in in, in Carpenter. Uh, I mean. This is the year to splurge. This is the time to splurge. And Bryce Harper is the ultimate player to do that for. Ben, do you think John Mozeliak is ready to make that kind of splurge? Typically, it's not, you know, what he's done in the past. Typically, it's, you know, draft, you know, groom, produce, and and grow players within the system. But do you think that he's, you know, finally in the mindset of, hey, I need to not only go out and get... Well, I mean, it's it's DeWitt he's got to convince. Right, Yeah, DeWitt writes a check. Do you you think he's in a position, really, to go into this offseason and say, hey, look, Bill, you know, the game's changing, what we've been doing the last couple years... You know, hasn't been working. We need to now shell out the money. Do you think that's a conversation that's being had? Uh, you would you would think so. I mean, to be honest, to be fair, they. I mean, if 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 Giancarlo Stanton had liked toasted ravioli more, <laughs> I mean, he might he. We might be talking about how they splurged for three hundred plus million on him last. This week. is true. This is true. Um, you know, so they're, they're not. It's not like they're they're afraid to you know pull the trigger. Uh, so yeah, but of course I think we're on the same page here. It's not just about making 
a really nice offer. It's about making the irresistible offer that if Bryce turns down, then he signs with another team, and the questions that the Benjamin Hockmans ask of him is, why did you turn down more money in St. Louis? Yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, so yeah, I think, again, being on the same page here, I mean, I think we're all hoping that this is the year they they take that financial gamble because if there was ever a time to do it, it's right now. That could also backfire, too, that if word comes out, that St. Louis, you know, made this incredible offer as far as money goes, mm-hmm. and Bryce Harper turns it down to go to another team, they're going to be mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what's going on in St. Louis that made him turn down that offer? And what are you hearing? Because it seemed like St. Louis, we didn't used to always get all the free agents. We got our fair share of them, and now we're having to overpay to get people to come here. What are you hearing from other people in other markets about why free agents don't want to come here? I mean, we, we could jump to some other aspects of the conversation and bring up things politically and all that. But I think it's as, as simple as winning baseball. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, guys want, I mean, I mean, Jason Hayward was here and he was on a good team, but he looked at the future. He looked at 2016, 17, 18, looked at the Cardinals, looked at the Cubs and said, I see a brighter future with personnel uh, in Chicago, and, and and he went he went for Chicago, and we're going to see that, and we saw that with uh, with some other guys too. So yeah, I mean, I mean, look, the reality is, I mean, we we think of these athletes as these you know larger than life celebrities, and obviously they are, but it's not like they're out, you know. It's not like like the New Orleans Saints are out on Bourbon Street every night. <laughs> you know the, the the Vegas Knights. You know they're not out on the Strip every single night. I mean, they, they these jobs are very demanding, and they're on the road a lot too. And also, they only live in that city for half the year anyway. So, I mean, how many nights out are you paying for? You sign it up for if you sign with the uh, you know insert big city team here. So, I think that gets played a little too much. Now, there is something to be said about marketing and and being a star in New York compared to being a star in Utah or or some other some other market like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, here's hoping that the the Players like Harper will say, all right, the Cardinals won 88 games last year. They've got all these young pitchers. They've got Ozuna. They've got Carpenter. They've got Yadier. I'm the missing piece that, that brings back this glory glory to St. Louis. And that's, it's got to be kind of like how they had to pitch it, too, I would imagine. Just be like, sit them down and be like, look, you know, we got Harrison Bader. We got, you know, Marcelo Ozuna. I'm assuming if they're bringing in Bryce Harper, that means that Dexter Fowler is going to be gone. I'm like, good luck trying to get rid of that contract. And, I, uh-huh. and, and Tyler O'Neill, I guess, will be your fourth outfielder. Or they get rid of Ozuna and they bring in Tyler O'Neill, and we have the the broiest outfield in the, in the history of <laughs> the best the best hair. Yeah, in baseball. It's, it's, it's a it's a St. Louis brofield. It's not an outfield. It's a brofield. It's a brofield. I, I like that. There's our marketing right there. Brofield. So do you think that's what they do? They they sit Bryce Harper down and be like, look, we got X, Y, and Z. You're you're what's missing to put it all together. That's that's how they had to pitch it, right? Yeah. No no question about it. And and the idea of like like I said, and, and you made reference to the idea like like. We are a winning franchise. Even like yet, you could flip it and say, even when we lose, we still win. Like the last three years, we've had winning records, even though we haven't made the playoffs. Like we are built around winning, and we want to win championships. And we are one left-handed hitting slugger away. <laughs> are you saying that we're spoiled, Ben? 
Is that what I'm I mean, hearing? Well, I mean, no, because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in the media screaming like this is, this is a catastrophe. This is the Seattle Mariners, the National League. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I mean, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna stand in front of the, the media and say you, you're trying to win championships, and then you don't even make the tournament to win a championship three years in a row, you, you've been failing. Quickly turning to uh, Major League Soccer and MLS for the Lou. Uh, your your column on Sunday about you know the MLS team if it sure ha- if it should happen to flourish here in St. Louis it'll be the first ever um, uh, female owned uh, yeah. sports franchise and, and what your your quotes from our friend Amy Trask and from LA Lakers owner Jeannie Buss were just fantastic and, and Jeannie Buss talking about like how it gave her chills hearing over hearing over the radio about how that will be like the first ever female owned uh, sports franchise in North America do you think that that probably puts St. Louis over the finish line when it comes to the MLS. The MLS is going to want that market so much and then have that good pub on top of it. Uh, I mean, if we're doing this, I mean, you could have, you know, like, I don't know, like how, how should I say this clones that have, if there, if there are robots that had the money and they were St. Louis based robots, I think the, the MLS would be like, oh well, you know those those St. Louis robots uh, <laughs> are willing to pay the expansion fee, sure. build a stadium. Uh, but of course, like I, I mean, it's amazing. It, it's amazing PR. It's progressive stuff. It got me really excited. I was honored to to write about it. And there, there's no question that um, if or when St. Louis gets this MLS franchise, the um, the idea that the ownership is majority female it is just a just a icing on the cake a perfect uh thing to happen uh in this time in this day of age and i think that would help a lot with advertisers too as far as national uh national contracts go i think that would go a long way no absolutely doubt. no doubt totally yeah yeah i agree i agree with the idea of like like people who are looking for a team like well here's a team there's a there's a unique aspect to the St. Louis MLS team, female owned. That would be a, a reason, uh, one of the reasons to support that team. Ben, obviously the the MLS, you know, to St. Louis created a you know a, a big buzz, and we've been through this process now. We're going to go through this process now, you know, a few years in a row. Um, the Rams having left, you know, a couple years ago too. What does this team have to do to really convince St. Louis that yes, we are here, we are here to stay, and we are here for you? Oh my gosh! I mean, show up. <laughs> uh, I mean, if 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 the if the Taylors and the Cavanaughs build the stadium and the, and the team and the team arrives, I mean, the whole point of it. I mean, I was sitting in Cavanaugh's office the other day, and we're just talking about you know passion for St. Louis, passion for growing St. Louis. I mean, these are these are really really wealthy people who could live in any city in any country. And they're staying here in a, in our town, and they're and they're donating their money to to make our city thrive. It's a pretty amazing thing. We're very fortunate to have it, and how cool it be to have this this MLS. I mean, I don't I don't follow MLS right now, but I under I like soccer and I understand uh, the importance of soccer not only to the St. Louis community but also to the millennials and and the next generation. And uh, I mean, what a special thing it would ha- have. To, what a special thing it would be to have that in our city. No doubt. I agree 100%. Ben Hockman, we thank you for your time, sir, and we look forward to having you on again soon. Take care, guys. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Ben. That is Benjamin Hockman from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Make sure you read him there at sctltoday.com and also follow him on Twitter at Hockman. 
Joining us on the phone right now is a longtime NBA journalist. If you're a child like me, or if you were a kid like me who grew up in the 80s, you knew him from NBA on NBC, the great Peter Veshi. You can follow him on Twitter at Peter Veshi1. He was also part of the documentary scene on ESPN Basketball, a love story. He's, he's uh, dispersed throughout all of that. Peter, how much fun was it to make that documentary or, be, or at least be a part of it? <laughs> Did I get paid? how <laughs> uh, much fun was it i mean they did dan dan Clarence came to my house and did five hours with me how much fun could that be five yeah. it wasn't a straight five hours though was it yeah it was oh, oh my god <laughs> did you have to make I him a- we had, i think we had time coffee or something but but um you know when you do those things you know he asked me a million questions and i don't <laughs> You know, I, I really when I when it shows up, I've only watched one segment last night. But you know, when it shows up, I, I guess I remember it. No, not really. <laughs> Do you? Uh, um, no, the, let's, let's okay, we got kind of got a bad signal, Peter. Can we call you back? Sure. Okay, great. Thank you, sir. I remember this last time, like, his phone isn't exactly always the best. Okay. Let me, tr- well, if I, if I turn off the Wi-Fi, I don't think that's going to make any difference, will it? No. No. Okay. Well, I might just have to power through it. Plus, there's a, I mean, this is a, he has print, I forgot. Uh, Verizon. Oh, okay. Well, Verizon has, should have excellent coverage in the building, so it should be, I think it's his phone, so. You got the, got the song queued up? No, you don't have to restart, you just ask him the next question. Okay. That's why I just stopped there. Yes, sir. Hey, Peter, we're just going to pick up where we left off. Um, so you could you could start over again. I don't, I don't care. We only did about a minute and a half. Yeah, go right we'll, ahead. Go right ahead. Okay. We'll. Uh, when is when is it on? We'll. Uh, well, this is a, this is a podcast, so we're going to record it. It'll be available for download on Friday, Friday morning. Okay. All right. All right so start over. Okay, start we'll, over. we'll get the song queued back up here. Okay. Here we go. Joining us on the phone right now is a longtime NBA journalist. If you were a child like me who grew up in the 80s, you remember him from the NBA on NBC. He was part of the studio show. He's an NBA insider. He was also part of Basketball, a love story, the documentary that's been playing on ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at Peter Veshi one Peter Veshi, how are you, sir? I'm good. It, 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 is, it is a hell of a... Uh... I don't know what you call it. You call it a documentary? I don't know. Yeah, I guess you call it a love story. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a rom com between uh, between you and uh, uh, Mike Fratello, and I'm trying to think of all the other great NBA journalists or whether Bob Ryan. You probably got you got to have so many great stories about all those guys. Yeah, yeah, and I'll print them all too. I don't hold anything back. <laughs> What do you want to know about either one of them? Okay, well, let's 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 start with Bob Ryan. I mean, he kind of, he's I I think he's kind of like adorably cantankerous. If, if that kind of makes sense, I mean, he, he's like he, he's always kind of crabby, but it's kind of like a fun kind of crabby. Has he always been like that? Always kind of gruff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's uh he's one of my favorite writers, you know, ever, and and a real good guy to hang out with. And I didn't hang out with too many media people. I I didn't. 
you know, I didn't like sharing any of my info or, you know, letting them see who I spoke to, but he was different. And, uh, I mean, I liked him so much that, uh, I recommended the New York post hire him to replace Dick Young as the lead columnist when Dick died. And, um, you know, I think Bob used that to as leverage to get what he wanted at the Globe. Um, at the same time, I recommended Shaughnessy to the Post, too, and he used it to uh, <laughs> to further himself at, at the Globe. Two of my favorite guys. But but Ryan Ryan was, uh, you know, one of our group that we did go out to eat, um, you know, during the playoffs and stuff like that. We played ball together, and uh, he's, he's a fun guy. I, I think uh, – I don't think anybody has the passion that he has. Um, he doesn't have the outrage of Phil Mushnick, but then, you know, but he doesn't write about Francesa, so he can't have that kind of outrage. But, <laughs> he, but he, uh, he, he is, uh, he, you know, he, he really believes everything he writes. He doesn't make up stuff. He's not a, you know, we're totally different. You know, he wasn't a writer that went after uh, exclusives. You know, he wasn't looking for to make news. He just, he just covered, covered the beat or, you know, covered covered the uh, whatever what he's writing about in his column uh, professionally, and um, you know the only the only thing I'm angry about him for is that uh, he got to write the Larry Bird book, one of them, and I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> good good reason to. How's his jump shot? Is it anything like Larry's? Uh, no, no. Bob Bob was an okay player. You know, he was uh, <clears throat> he was uh, fundamentally unsound. <laughs> but but uh no he was he was good to play with but not not a you know not an athlete or anything like that and uh you know he wasn't looking looking to set moving picks or uh you know clock it from behind like some people from new york but uh <laughs> so the the uh the 2018-2019 season kicks off last night it seems like the finals they just ended but one thing even i think even you have to be kind of impressed by or amazed by maybe is that the nba has now become a year-round league there's always something going on either you you have the free agency signing or someone's not happy and demanding a trade like jimmy butler are you kind of surprised about how big the nba has become i think it's bigger now than it was in the 80s uh, there's no question that it's a 12 month season now. Maybe an 11 month. They might they might actually take off in September for the most part. Um, and but if they didn't take off in September, like Butler, he'll take off in October. <laughs> 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 but 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 I I uh, you know of course I never never thought it would come to what it is. You know truly it's it's probably you know a bigger sport right now than than the NFL or, or baseball they have their moments and the, their months but you know the NBA with, uh, with so many superstars that everybody knows you know they're all doing commercials not all I mean the, the top guys are doing commercials and they've, they've they've drawn in the casual fan which started with Jordan he was the first guy to first player to, to draw the casual fan. And uh, and then now it's just gotten bigger and bigger. Um, you know, I'm not particularly happy about uh, you know the politics of some people, or you know that that it enters into it. But at the same time, I guess you gotta you gotta give them credit for speaking out. They've got leverage, and uh, so even even if they're uh, you know they don't know what they're talking about, that's fine. They can do what they want. <laughs> We, not mentioning any names. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, who are you talking about there? 
Just give yeah. us the initials. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, uh, coming into this season, there's a lot of big storylines. We've talked about a few of them or mentioned a few of them already. Obviously, Jimmy Butler, unhappy in Minnesota. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, LeBron out in L.A. Gordon Hayward back in Boston. What's the biggest storyline that you're going to be following this season? Uh, probably that my re re retirement. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm not. I'm not really looking at any. You know, I, you know, I take them as they come. You know, Butler. Butler became a, you know, a pain in the ass, and so you got to you got to cover it. You got to. Uh, but but I try to give it a historical perspective. You know, a guy like that. Let's just stay on him for a second. You know, and everybody everybody is you know bent out of shape about. You know how how the uh, superstars of today, you know the way that they're they're controlling their destiny. They decide when they want to leave a team, you know where they want to play, you know how much money they'll settle for, or how much money they'll give up in some cases. Um, but that's that's the way it be, that, that's the way it was supposed to happen. You know, when, when unrestricted free agency, it was an evolution to this. And now, now the players are making the command decisions. The big, the big players are, and uh, and it affects it affects whole divisions, maybe a conference, maybe a championship, and uh, well, definitely a championship with Durant. But I, I have no problem with that. I, you know, the, the owners, the owners did it for years. They did what they wanted. They still do what they what they want, what they can do. You know, they can trade you tomorrow, and uh, uh, and now, but now the players are, are able to. Uh, to dictate an awful lot of what's going on. But the historical part of it is, is that, you know, so people get, get, uh, you know, crazy about what they're doing, you know, and, and Butler being the last one. And I, I called somebody from the league, um, you know, a few weeks ago. And I asked him if my memory served me correct that, uh, you know, in the, in the, uh, there were so many, so many renegotiations and, and attempted renegotiations and threats of, to hold out. And, and uh, that, that's the way I, I remembered it. And so they, they did a little research and came back to me and said, well, you know, the only ones we have are, uh, you know, Sean Kemp in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, there were, there were a couple rookies that, that didn't come to camp or restricted free agents who didn't come to camp. I said, no, I'm not talking about any of, any of that. I'm talking about people who actually, you know, did not come that held out, sure, or 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 made such a fuss that that you know caused caused uh, a disruption. And I left him. I hung up. You know, before I hung up, I said, "By the way, I mean, you didn't find anybody, but does Julius Irving ring a bell?" Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's you know, let's let's you know, he's he's the ambassador to uh, you know of the NBA and stuff like that, but. That guy jumped more contracts, and I think at one time he might have had five contracts signed, you know, with ABA, NBA, and and then and then when he finally finally came, when the Nets finally came to the NBA, you know, what did he do? He held out, yeah, and, and you know, basically ruined their franchise. And he said that there was a promise to redo his contract, it wasn't in writing though. So how much? What is that worth? Exactly it didn't nothing. Matter. You know, but my point is, it didn't matter. You know, so here's here's Doctor J holding out, ruining a franchise for man twenty years probably, and they got nothing back but cash. You know, and, and Roy Bo, the owner, was needed the money, and um, it's 
so 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 there it is. You know, something that I've never really talked about. I'm not going to talk about it too much, but during his holdout, uh, he and I used to work out together at uh, Hempstead High School, and I, I have pictures hanging in my in my uh, office of he and I playing one on one. I mean, it's 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 an amazing amazing picture that I've never shared with anybody. But it's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it is. It is awesome, and uh, you know, I was posting his ass up. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what was the final score? Some of yeah, games? did you even get a shot off? You know, it, it's you know, he let me he let me play, <laughs> and, then, and, then he, and then when he decided that I wasn't going to get a shot off, it was over because you know, you stick those you stick those tentacles out. So what are you going to do? Yeah, absolutely nothing. It's like trying to shoot through a tree. Uh, Peter Vesci joining us on the phone right now. You can follow him on Twitter at Peter Vesci one. Uh, I'm told Jimmy Butler, the big news in the off season was LeBron uh, heading out to Los Angeles and signing with the Lakers, a move that was more about off the court than it was on the court. How quickly do you think that honeymoon for uh, LeBron is going to be over in Los Angeles after that team really doesn't start to live up to expectations? Why do you, why do you say it was more off the court than on the court? Well, I mean, like now you're seeing that he, he's got the Showtime show, he's got the HBO show, he's going to be doing a remake of Space Jam. He's got a couple other projects that are in the works. Uh, it seems like as soon as that point, as soon as he signed that contract with the Lakers, it was like boom. Here comes all the uh, all the stuff that he wanted to do off the court. I'm just wondering, yeah. you know, because that, that team right now is not very good. The Lakers team is not compared to the other right, teams in the so, West. So I disagree with you on many many issues here. So I look, he built how many how many straight finals did he go eight? Yep. Yeah. So so people kind of knew who he was before he became a Laker. And and he could have done he could have done any of that stuff. You don't have to be in L.A. to do what he's doing. The HBO, you know, I mean, this studio is in New York. So I mean, but you don't have to be there. You could you could be in any city these days and still get commercials and uh, you know people advertisements and people coming after you for shows and stuff. So I don't I don't think that entered into. I think he really he really wanted to play for the Lakers. Uh, you know, not not to be perfectly immodest you know when i broke the story or not broke the story when i guaranteed in last september that he was going to be a laker and everybody just scoffed at it you know i was told at that time that he wanted to be play with the lakers you know he, he, it was it was a team that look it's good for the league it's good for him to have him there and uh and i you know i i, I never told anybody but the reason i knew i had it was he never said a word about it. He never said Bessie's out of his mind, which he does do that. You know, when people <laughs> write stuff about him, sure. and he'll he'll come out and say, you know, this is garbage, you know. Yeah, he, he he's not shy. He never, ever said a word, and I knew, I knew I had it. But I knew I, knew I had it anyway, because it was a great source. But, <laughs> but I don't, so, so he, you know, and, and he, he going out there, I, I, I maintain from, from day one that they young guys, are, are going to prosper under him. They're going to they're going to mature much quicker with him as a leader. They were leaderless last year. You know, a lot of a lot of players coming and going. But the moves, you know, you could see when when uh, Magic Johnson made the move right before the trade deadline it was another indication that LeBron was coming because they were freeing up money for two superstars 
and and they got rid of very good players, or they didn't resign. You know, they didn't resign Randall, so they 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 had his money, and and that that kid had a great season last year. He did. You know that. They they let go. They they traded Nance, and he was hardly making anything. It was about two million dollars or something like that. That was that was to me that was a bad move. I love Larry Nance Jr. and uh, I see he, he just signed a new deal. But you know Clarkson was was a real good player. So they gave up good players and they cleared cap room to to fit him in. But then they got you know screwed by George, who you know they they wound up paying five hundred thousand dollars as. Uh, you know, for tampering, and then didn't even get the player. But but they do have young players. They they've got real good young players, and and so I think I think they're going to be a pretty good team this year, really. And they've got some really good vets to go around them. You know, Ron, Rondo's a huge. I'm a huge fan of Rondo's, and uh, you know how can I not like Stevenson? He's from Brooklyn. So. <laughs> yeah. Man, so, is he crazy? <laughs> he is, and, and he's not the only one on that team. R- got a Ray, few characters. Yeah, Rajon Rondo. He's had his moments. You, you, you've mentioned Lance Stevenson, uh, Michael yeah. Beasley, who was extraordinarily talented, but he was never. He's never really put it together. He had a couple of good games with the Knicks last year. That was about it. And, right, and then about, uh, JaVale McGee. McGee. Yeah, McGee, yeah. yeah well, they, they've got some problems, but <laughs> you know, when, when you when you play with LeBron. You know, you you either shape up or you're shipped out, That's and and none of those guys are keepers. They don't have to keep any of those four guys we just mentioned. They're on one year deals, and so so they they will they will uh, follow the leader and fit in where they where they have to and and when they can. You know, it, it, to me, the most interesting part is how Luke Walton will, you know, deal with LeBron as as far as you know, who's going to be coaching the team, who's going to decide, you know, what needs to be done when it has to be done. I, I'm a big Luke fan, um, much more than his father, who I worked with for, for many years at NBC. But I, but I, I know Luke since he was, you know, a young kid and he, he's a, he's a great person. And, uh, but the pressure's on him. And, uh, you know, we all know how difficult it is to coach LeBron for any length of time. And and we'll see what happens. And and also, Magic didn't hire Luke Walton, so so uh, we we could see something there if things don't don't happen the way the Lakers you know expect them to happen. But I I do think that things going to be good. I think uh, Brandon Ingram he, he's he's terrific, and and uh, Kuzma is terrific, and uh, you know Ball has really improved. Um, they're going to be a fun team to watch. So I I really disagree with you. I think they're going to be you know, they they could win forty five to fifty games. Um, I I'd be real disappointed if they didn't do that. So where do they stack up then in the Western Conference? Obviously, out of the two conferences, it's clearly the the heavyweight between the Western and Eastern Conference. Where do they stack up with the likes of Houston, Golden State? Well, you know, again, you know, people say well, LeBron will never go to the West because, you know, he won't get to the finals if he goes to the West. And they're, they're probably very right. Uh, but he likes the competition. And, uh, again, they, they got, they've got young guys that have, uh, they can vastly improve in a short period of time. But, you know, to, to start telling you that they're, you know, they're going to be better than Houston or better than Oklahoma City or, or even Utah. 
Um, I, I can't do that. But uh, there are also you know, there are so many teams that have improved. Also, Denver has even gotten better yep. than it was last. Yes, year. Utah as well. And, yeah, and and Utah and and um, you know even even uh, Dallas. You know Dallas got some some real good players. Uh, and as I pointed out in my column today, they don't have to depend on Nowitzki anymore. So the fact that he w- will be coming off the bench in a uh, you know a radically reduced role uh, that that to me is is really going to help them because they don't have to slow down anymore. They've got they've got a guy who's you know they've got backcourt and Smith and and uh, how do you pronounce his name? Doncic, Lucas Doncic. Doncic, Doncic, huh? <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, like I've reached the stage where, where in my career, where I, I can't pronounce these guys' names, I can't <laughs> spell their names, I, I don't know, you know, at least four new coaches who they are. There are several GMs in the league. I have no idea who they are. Um, so it's uh, it's it's a great disadvantage in in that way. I don't have don't have or don't want the sources anymore. <laughs> so, so to talk about so to talk about you know how how they stack up, you know they, they're just gonna it's a hell of a conference. Um, if I you know if I could get a job uh, with one of those teams, I'd love to watch all those teams in the West come in every you know boy eighty two games of. Uh, of seeing those teams come in, I mean Sacramento's about. Is there another bad team other than Sacramento? I can't, I can't think of it offhand. Suns, even the Suns. I mean, God, I mean they. <laughs> there aren't really like you. You got it right. There, there aren't too many really awful teams in the NBA. I mean, maybe Atlanta, maybe Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Veshi joining us on the phone right now. Peter, final question for the night, and thank you again uh, so much for joining us. Uh, all those years covering the the New York Knicks in the 90s when they were coached by uh, Pat Riley, who was one of my favorite sports figures of all time. you got to have a great Pat Riley story in you. <laughs> well, you know, I've got plenty of Pat Riley stories in me, but uh, what, can I, what can I tell you that on the record? <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we worked together. We, we were pretty, pretty tight for a long time when he was the Lakers coach. Uh, and then he, he came to the studio at NBC the same year that I did. And we worked together for one year at NBC, the first year that NBC had the NBA. And uh, we, we really fell out during that time because I was, you know, the word was that he was going to be the Knicks coach, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to go there. And the, the boss, Dick Ebersole, was was insisting that he do. And so there were there were many. There was a lot of tension that year. Um, and then, you know, when he became Knicks coach, um, we, I never really had the relationship with him that I had uh, when he was the Lakers coach. But uh, you know, you know, one thing when we worked together at NBC. Um, he, he had the green room to himself mm-hmm. and he used to go in there and smoke and the rest of us weren't allowed in it. Now, when I, when I got, uh, you know, more prominent with the network, you know, a few years later, you know, it was like, everybody was allowed in the green room, you know, yeah. like, you know, me and Isaiah were in there or me, me and Walt were in there and everybody could come in, but, but he wanted, he wanted his, his, uh, space. And also, I remember I, I I wanted I asked him if we could uh, 
you know, get get part of his uh, uh, Armani deal? Could we get, you know, could we talk to Armani <laughs> and get, yeah, I was serious, you know, like, come on, get, you know, how about some clothes for the rest of us? I think Buckner was with us then and uh, Bob Ferry and, uh, and, and Costas. And he, you know, and he said no. <laughs> he wasn't going to share that discount, man. I, I can't say no. I blame him. Well, it's not. It wasn't sharing. It was just like, hey, talk to somebody at Armani. I I wound up getting uh, you know several several deals during my time there. But you know, I just went out and got them myself, and uh, and so whatever. But uh, you know, I I Pat and I have really become friends. Um, basically since I stopped writing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Amazing how that happens. <laughs> you know, when I do see him, you know, we really talk about family and kids and, and, and wives. And, you know, we went, I went to uh, Jim McMillan's funeral. You know, he played at the Lakers with, with uh, Riley, you know, on that great, great uh, 72 team that won 33 straight and then won a championship. And, and Jimmy and I were really tight from Columbia and then he played for the Knicks in Buffalo. And, you know, he died and he was in Carolina and I made sure I went down there for it. And, and Riley was there too. Riley showed up. In fact, the Ali funeral was the night, the day before and he went to that. And then he came to uh, Wake Forest for uh, Jim McMillan funeral. And so, you know, we bonded on that too. McAdoo was the only player other than, than, uh, than Pat, who showed up, it, it was you know really kind of depressing uh, to see that because Jimmy Jimmy was a great guy. So anyway, Ryle, you know, Ryle saw that I came for that, and you know we we're good, we're good now, right, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> Peter, we appreciate your time this evening, sir. Enjoy the 2018-2019 season, and then we'll, we're going to see at the end of the year who was right and who was wrong about those Lakers. You've been listening to the Last Man Up podcast. Part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. Follow Clay at Ton of Clayton. And follow Andy at Emo6. Special thanks to Ben Hockman and Peter Veshi for joining us. We'll catch you on the other side.